We are in a series on values. I want to invite you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles or scroll in your Bible. I don't really care how you read it. I just want you to read it, and I want you to spend time in it. So turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6 is where we're going today. As you turn there and and we prepare, I I want to open with a a, a little bit of a story. I, I hope that you don't hear the wrong heart in what I have to say as I begin to open. This is not to brag on uh, ourselves or, or to, to make our, uh, us the hero of this story in any way. It's just to share a significant part of our journey. And, and one of the places where God really showed up and showed off and taught us a lot in 2013, Megan and I were in Chandler, Texas. We had Adeline and Emery, and uh, I, we were praying about a lot of things. It was, very, it was a very preparatory period in my life, to say the la- least. So we were there, and, and we had bought some land because we thought we were going to build. We had lived in a parsonage, and then we were renting, and I was like, I really want to own a house. I, I wanted to be there for a while. Obviously, God had different plans in that scenario. So we, we weren't able to build, so but it just wasn't affordable. It didn't make sense, and, and so we started looking for a house, and we would make an offer, and we'd wake up the next morning, and somebody bought it for cash. That's a true story. So it was just weird things all the way around. And, and this lasted several months. And one day I was sitting in my office and I was, I was praying, whining, which is what we call prayer sometimes. So I was, I was talking to God, you know, about, about all these things that were going on. And, and I had this book, uh, a friend of a friend. This is, a, I've referenced him before. You'll hear me reference him again. He's one of my favorite pastors to listen to. One of them. I have several. Dr. Brian Jarrett. Just going to refer to him as, as Pastor Brian from this point forward. I, I had met him through a friend and, and I knew that he had just finished his thesis with the uh, Assembly of God a theological seminary and he would just finished his PhD. So I wrote him an email and I sent a letter um, and I said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm sending you a check, and, and I, want, I want a copy of your book, and I want it signed. Okay, so like no beef about it. I want your book, and I want you to sign it. And so he sends me a copy. I got this in the mail, and, and it's still sitting on my, it was st- sitting on my desk at the time. And when I opened it up, I got it in the mail, and I opened it up, and I read what he wrote to me. He said, Chris, so great to meet you, know you. Listen, he said, I pray this book stirs new levels of surrender in your life. (laughs) And I rebuke that statement. And so I had read that and I was like, yeah, we're just going to leave this one on the desk for a little while. Because I knew some of Brian Jarrett's story, some of the things that God had led him to do, like go pastor a church in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and not receive a salary for a year. He didn't go work another job. He just did this extravagant thing. I was reading through his book, and he mentioned, he referenced the offering that David gave. And some of you have heard me say this before. This is part of our testimony. The offering that David gave to his son Solomon to build the house of God, to build the temple, that offering was greater in value than any one man's net worth who is alive today. The offering that David gave. And Pastor Brian asked the question in his book, how was David able to give such an extravagant offering? How was he able to be so extravagantly obedient? And the answer was because David believed an extravagant God. And he was obedient to a supernatural, extraordinary, by the way, personal father that he had gotten to know very well. I closed the book, I set it down on my desk, and I shared this story here in the spring of 2017, about 500 people ago. I shared this story, and when I closed that book and laid it down on my desk, I I picked up my phone and I called my wife. I said, Megan, I, I know why we bought the land. I know why we can't find a house. 
And I know why everything's just not working out the way that we thought it would and the way that we wanted to. And she, she was excited, right? Yeah, really? Cool. Why? And I said, carefully, I feel like we're supposed to empty our accounts, sell one of our vehicles, and deed the land to the church. Now, I skipped a whole lot of, of how much we had at that point and things that had happened and blah, blah, blah. And she said, I thought we were going to have like a little bit of a pushback. Like we we're going to have a conversation, right? And she goes, okay. <laughs> Say again. <laughs> she said, okay. So we left $200 in our savings account just because I didn't want to empty it and have to go reopen it again. I was like, you get everything but 200 Okay, so, like, so we, we left just what we needed in our savings account, emptied our, emptied our bank account, sold the vehicle, gave the money, and then deeded the property to the church. It was, a, it was an offering of about $60,000. And we went in and told our pastor, and, and he graciously received. No, actually, he said, hang on, whoa, 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 don't do this. He tried to talk us out of it, and I said, I have to. I have to. This is what we're supposed to do. It wasn't long after that. Nobody knew what we had done. Uh, we didn't tell our parents what we had done. I didn't tell my parents what we had done. Um, they just knew I was driving a church cargo van for some reason, and we were down to one brown 200,000-mile suburban, and, and we, were, we were there, and we didn't own the land any longer. They kept, what y'all going to do with that land? And I would just kind of, it was a white lie, okay? It was like, a, you, they, you tell them. I'm not telling them. So anyways, the story continues. We began, like, it was within just a few months that all the debt at that church that we were at was paid off just as, as generosity began to follow. And nobody even knew what we had done. Um, we began to see things remodeled and updated that we had been staring at going, man, we really need to do this. And, and we just began to do those things. And it was a couple of weeks later, my wife came in to the living room. I was sitting in my little chair, and uh, I was surely, I don't know, I was probably in, in deep prayer in my living room. No, I was watching something stupid. And, and she comes into the living room. She comes around down the hallway, if you will, and then she faces me, and I'm sitting over in my chair, and she had this look on her face. I was like, immediately in my head, I'm going, what did I do? What did I do? What did I? I'm going through every move I've made. And, and so I was like, oh my Lord, have I done something? She goes, well, and I thought I'm dead. I am dead. She said, I'm pregnant. And I was like, yeah, that was my fault. <laughs> she then she, I'm pregnant. And she turned around and walked back down the hallway. Just, that was like, that's not how that went the first two times. I didn't know what to say. I was like, whose is it? You know, I don't know what do you, how'd that happen? You know, no, I didn't say anything. I just sat there in silence. And then all of a sudden, I remember I said out loud, I said, God, please let this be a boy. Please, please let this be a boy. A couple of days later, all that was kind of settling in, like she was pregnant, there was no doubt. Um, and I didn't have insurance, and I didn't have money. And I told the Lord, you knew. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm like 30 years old crying, because I don't know how I'm going to pay for her first doctor's visit. I didn't have it. And I, just, I couldn't go get like a second job. I was on staff at a church. I was full time. Like, that's what I was doing. It's like, man, maybe I can go ballet park cars in Tyler or something, you know, steal some drunk people's money. I don't know what I can. <laughs> I was overwhelmed. And we began to watch in that season. What did God do? Well, he did a lot, but, but really what he did was he taught us how to trust him. And that became, honestly, about a seven-year period of manna. Just to catch Sunday school up here, manna was what God provided in the wilderness to the Israelites. In fact, if the Israelites took more than what they needed for that day, that manna would turn to worms overnight. Solomon wrote, give me neither poverty nor riches. And then Jesus said, hey, when you pray, you pray this way. And within the 
framework of that prayer, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Somebody called me. Again, nobody knew what we had done. Somebody called me and said, hey, hey, I want to buy y'all a kitchen table. Apparently they felt bad for us for our little kitchen table. I was like, I have a kitchen table. Yeah, but your wife wants a different kitchen table. So my wife wants a lot of stuff. We have a kitchen (laughs) table. I want to buy y'all a kitchen table. I'm sending your money. So I was like, very well. She goes to the park and this lady in our church comes up to her in the park and says, hey, look, we've been cleaning a bunch of stuff out. And I forgot I even had this, but are you guys looking for a kitchen table? You can't make this stuff up. Megan's like, yeah, we are. And, and we knew the family, so we knew it was nice. She said, I'm going to bring you my kitchen table. So Megan calls me. I was like, oh, praise God, got a kitchen table. I called the person back that wanted to buy us a kitchen table. I said, hey, we got a kitchen table. Somebody came up to my wife in the park and gave her a kitchen table. She's like, what? <laughs> I know, right? That's what God does, I guess. And so I'm going to send you your money back. I'm going to send you your money back. And this person said, no, no, you're not. In fact, my husband, my husband had some things happen and, and he wants to send y'all some money too. So we're, we're going to actually send you something else. And I said, look, we don't we're good, man. I'm telling you again, they didn't know what we were going through. Several other things, opportunities arose. I didn't just get all the money. I had to, you know, work for some of it. Um, and things came to pass. And by her first doctor's appointment, I had the cash, exactly what I needed to pay for her appointment. Little things like that all the way along the way. My wife reminded me, we have a journal full, seven years worth of things where we didn't know how we were going to do what we needed, not even just wanted, but what we needed to do. And then some things we were like, wow, we get to do this too? Praise God. Like when I knew I started, I was supposed to start grad school and I had no idea how I was going to pay for it because on paper it didn't make sense. But I sensed that's what God was telling me to do. And I started not telling anybody except for my family. I didn't go to the church. I didn't go to the board. I didn't say anything. And, and my pastor called me a month after I started school and said, hey, the board just gave you a raise. The amount of money that the board gave me for that year paid for my graduate school for that year and the following year years. Just exactly what we needed. And we have a list of things that God did as we learned to trust him. We started out in this series. Our number one value was to delight in Jesus. Our second value as a church was to foster family. Our third value we spent two weeks on. It's so important. If you missed it, I'm telling you, you need to go back and get this in your spirit. Our third value is to honor all. And today, today I want to talk to you about our fourth value. It's sandwiched right in the middle of everything that we are. Our value is to give generously. In fact, I so believe in this. I pray almost on a weekly basis for a spirit of generosity to be upon this house. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, it says, Teach those who are rich in this world. Now, to some of you just let yourself off the hook right there. Like, that's not me. Okay, hang on, hang on, because you have to be careful what you're comparing to. Most of us in the world economy have more than about 97% of the world. You may not believe that, but running water Electricity and a vehicle, those are like top three percentile kind of things. And Timothy, receiving from his spiritual father, hears, hey, I need to teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. See, we don't need your money today. God's not trying to get your money today. I believe that Paul wrote this to Timothy 2,000 years ago, and and we have it as a value, not because God's trying to get your money, but we want to make sure your money doesn't get you. Paul says, do not trust in money, which which is so unreliable, hashtag 2020. 
a hashtag is, uh, it's like a pound symbol. Uh, it's so unreliable. Their trust, instead of being in their money, and they feel good when all their accounts are full and everything's on the rise, here's how you know whether your faith is in your father or your finances. Who do your feelings follow? Their trust shouldn't be in their money. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us. I love that. You have a father who richly gives you. I, I remember Adeline one time had this balloon. She was like four. And we were in the student center in Chandler, Texas, and her balloon popped. And the world was falling apart. And she comes over to like, my balloon. And I'm like, I have a whole bag of balloons. It's going to be okay. God who richly gives us what? All we need. And it's for our enjoyment. Verse 18, tell them to use their money. See, we've been putting our identity in what we do for a living. But what we do for a living is supposed to be a means to provide for God's ministry in our lives. And then we put our identity in what we get to do for God. And what we do for a living just provides for what we get to do for God. Tell them to use their money to do good. In fact, they should be rich in good works. And here's our word, and generous to those in need. I love this. Always. Somebody say always. Always being ready to share with others, except for the food on their plate. Do not use this against me later today. I will buy you your own food, okay? Don't try to eat off my plate. Get your own food. But always be ready to share. Verse 19. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure. Now, this is important because you remember Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. It doesn't mean that your treasure follows your heart. It means that if you want to know what you really care about, all you have to do is look at what you invest in. If you want to know, heard one pastor say it this way, what you really care about, all you have to do is look at your bank account. Storing up their treasure is a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Now listen, I, I wanna clarify here. Only Jesus Christ can give eternal life, okay? Only Jesus can save. We are not saved by works that we could boast. I did not share our story so that you could look up here and go, oh wow, he's so godly and so obedient. No, we were scared. <laughs> Every time God asked me to give something, I'm scared. Every time that I'm asked to give more than just like what I'm comfortable giving, I remember David saying, I will not give an offering that costs me nothing. And then God challenges us to give and to get over what we think we need to have in order to accomplish what he has for us. So I want to clarify, I'm not talking about salvation at the moment because only God can save but I do believe that after we become a child of God, there's a judgment seat of Jesus referenced in Scripture where we will give an account of what God has given us. There's a reward system all throughout God's Word confirmed by Jesus himself. If you have received an invite or if you've requested an invite for Right Now Media, and if you haven't, go to EuniceChurch.com today and do it. You can connect for free and they won't overwhelm you and saturate you with subscriptions and emails because they're already being paid by the worshiping givers at New Hope here in Eunice. And all we want you to do is gain access to it. In Right Now Media, Pastor Andy Stanley did a series recently called Balanced. He's talking about balancing and prioritizing finances and faith. And he says in the beginning of that series, one of the first things he says is, you can't, you can't separate God and money. 
You can't. Like from the very beginning, do you remember like the, the second big sin had to do with what Cain was not willing to give, which led to like him being willing to murder somebody else because God honored that sacrifice over, I can't believe, I can't believe God would, would look at his offering and, and consider it greater. I, I give too, I gave too. No, a spirit of offense right there in the very beginning of scripture, all to do with finances. The devil himself, what will determine whether people receive life or hell in the book of Revelation has to do with a mark of a beast that determines their buying and selling. Sound familiar? I'm not saying the vaccine's the mark of the beast. Get over it. That is not even remotely. But if you don't see the system that God has already spoken coming to pass, I said this in first service, man, I keep reading and repeating this word and it keeps being right. I am reading and repeating this 2,000 year old book and it just keeps being right. So I'm just gonna keep reading and repeating. Jesus gives salvation, there's a reward system. That's his work. But listen, our works are evidence of his salvation. Our works are evidence of his salvation. Puritan preacher, author of Pilgrim's Progress, he said, you've not truly lived today until you've done something for someone who can never repay you. You've not truly lived, I love this, you've not truly lived until you've done something for someone and not expected anything in return. Hey, lean in here just for a second, you ready? If you're gonna do things for people and expect things in return from people, really stop and consider whether you should even do it or not. Because I'm telling you, you're gonna put pressure on yourself, you're gonna put pressure on that relationship, and you're gonna put pressure on God himself. We don't give to get, we give because he gave. Everything we have is his. So if we are to do a message on generosity and giving, not because we're about to receive a major offering, but just because we believe in this as a value, we would have to do a series two to three times a year in order to be equivalent with how many times this was recorded in God's word. Pastor Andy Stanley said, you can't separate faith and finances throughout scripture. And, and a lot of people want to, right? Like, a lot of people are offended when you start talking about money. There he is, a money-hungry preacher. Look, I don't need your money. If you don't take care of me, God will take care of you. I'm just saying. If I don't take care of you, God will take care of me. Why? Because he gave us his dominion. And now that's part of the reward system. If we were to do a message, we'd have to do it two to three times a year. A series, like three to four sermons twice a year. And, and this is like, I think this is the only sermon on giving that I've done since like pre-pandemic. Pre, pre you know, like when I had to close the doors of the church and I still had 10 families to pay in salary. <laughs> and I didn't like start calling everybody and asking for extra money. Because I don't believe in your finances. I believe in my father. There's some important words in scripture. You know, words like believe. I would say believe is important, right? But if you, if you believe to those who believe, they've been given the right to become children of God. Belief is important. But what are words like, words like pray? That's an important like Bible word, you know? If you're gonna be a Christian, you need to believe. You need to pray. What about love? We have these truths, faith, hope, and love. Yay, the greatest of these is love. Love's a big word. Okay, believe is in scripture about 270 times. Pray is in there 370 times. It's gotta be important, right? Love, ah, this is a big one. Without love, you're a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. A gong, what is a gong? It's in there 714 times. Give, the word give is in scripture, word search, 2,161 times. God so desires relationship with us 
that he showed his desire for relationship with us through his generosity to us. Think about it. Come on, I'm gonna quote. I'm about to help you. You're gonna feel good about your learning today. You ready? John 3, 16. Some of you have the tattoo. Some of you have the t-shirt. Some of you threw away the t-shirt. It said Austin 316. Some of you know what I'm talking about. That was blasphemy. John 316, this is what God said. I love you so much. God so loved the world that he, say it with me, he gave. He so badly desires relationship with you that he was willing to give. He didn't care what it cost him. He just wanted you. Jesus, in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, the Bible says, even the Son of Man, and this is Jesus referring to himself, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He wasn't trying to build his own kingdom. I'll come back to that in a little while. Paul, the Apostle Paul. I love this. Um, it is not recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John that Jesus ever said this. And yet Dr. Luke records from the apostle Paul that Paul at some point heard Jesus say this. Now remember, Paul was Saul. He was one of the Pharisees. He was actually in charge of overseeing execution of early Christians. He was a murderer. And he was around in Jerusalem with all the Pharisees when Jesus was speaking. Not only that Damascus Road experience thing that he had in Acts chapter 9, okay? But he was there and he heard Jesus speak and Paul remembers hearing Jesus himself say. So Paul says in Acts 20, 35, I've been a constant example. Man, that's interesting. Guys, I can't say that. I can't. Like, I, yeah, it's on. We're just going to go with it. People that constantly need something get on my nerves. You're welcome. I just set some of you free, okay? Like, Pastor, I need a, no, I need you to stop always needing a, this is what I need. But come to me, let's talk about it. Because that's not Jesus in me. That's flesh in me. I got all kinds of needs. We all have needs, right? People that have needs, I need this, I need that. It gets on my nerves. It didn't get on Jesus' nerves. People were calling out to Jesus, interrupting Jesus, bothering Jesus all the time. And Paul, the apostle Paul said, I've been a constant example. Guys, I can't say that. I'm still working on this. That's why I put it in as a value. Like, I need help here. Of how you can help those in need by working hard. I got to keep going. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. We went and ate a little over a year, I guess, within the last year. We went and ate at one of my favorite restaurants. Shout out Diaz. I love Diaz, y'all. It's so good. So good. I love it when other people ask us if we want to go to Diaz, especially if it's like in-laws or parents, because then you know, like, you can order what you want. <laughs> and so, so we went to Diaz, and we were all eating together, and I can't remember who all went. I just remember coming back home, and our Yukon looked like a clown car at a circus. I mean, we had, we had people, right? We had all our little people, and then we had people sitting between the little people, and uh, it was totally legal. Everybody had a seatbelt, sort of. And so we were coming back home and you know like I eat so much at at, at Diaz like it, it kind of builds up some stomach acid and so in in my brain it's just good if you balance that pH with some base type substances you know some higher pH so we went to Dairy Queen <laughs> so I just needed that to subside you know what I'm saying and so we go through Dairy Queen and we order we all get blizzards many you know because we like to operate in self-control little mini blizzards we're just gonna eat mini blizzards today so we're trying to honor God with our bodies and so here we we're driving through Dairy Queen we come around the other side and uh, I pull up to the window and she's handing me ice cream and and I, I, get, I go to give her a card she goes no it's taken care of and I thought this is the day that the Lord you know what I'm saying like it just 
just felt it, you know? And so I was like, oh, thank you. You know, I headed out the ice cream. I put the car in drive and we started pulling off. The person riding with us was like, you know, should we have paid for the next person? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> like, oh, you know, I didn't even think about it. And then another person was like, yeah, the pastor just like, bless me. Look what the Lord has done. <laughs> Ain't even thinking about nobody else. <laughs> We were talking about, look, I know how to receive. Come on, somebody. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I ain't trying to rob your blessing, you know what I'm saying? So, my wife and I, like, I felt so bad about that the next day. She reminded me, uh, we drove, uh, you know, we went back to Dairy Queen. Of course, we got some ice cream, but we paid for the people behind us. And doesn't it seem like every time the Lord tells you to pay for the people behind you, you wish that the person in front of you would have just not paid for your stuff? You know, you're like, I want to pay for the people behind me. The person in line's like, you sure about that? Uh, no. <laughs> it's like $57. What is $57 ice cream? Yeah, I guess, you know. Ah, why did I tell that story? I don't know. <laughs> Take this note. Godliness is generous. Listen, even when you miss it, it's just God working in you. Just because you missed one opportunity doesn't mean he's not going to give you another opportunity. From your life to others' lives, godliness is generous. In fact, I believe that generosity is an identifier of godliness. I'm going to prove that with scripture in just a moment. I believe that when we connect with a generous heavenly father, he just makes us generous. We can't be saved and be satisfied with being stingy. It just doesn't work. Like it, it bothers us when we're saved and and we know what God has done for us and we recognize what God has given us and then, and then we become stingy because our spirit is going, you know that's not yours. But your flesh is going, yeah, but I don't want to lose it. I don't want to drive a church cargo van. I don't want to be called names for what I may look like driving a church cargo van. I don't want to rent. I want to buy. I didn't want to sell my new house. I didn't even want to go into ministry. I liked where I was, but I did this for you. And God says, no, no, no. What you've done for me is nothing compared to what I've already done for you. Proverbs 37, 23 says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. For those of you who are interested in this teaching quickly, I just need you to understand that when you don't know what to do, take a step. And if you take that step and God gives you peace, then take another step. If you take a step and you don't have peace, then pause. Because God's getting ready to do something right there. And when he gives you peace, you take another step. Why? Because the Lord directs the steps of the godly of those who are righteous. He orders the steps of the righteous. He delights in every detail of their lives. Verse 24, I love this. Though they stumble. Now listen, I don't wake up in the morning just conceding to sin. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You know how stupid that is? That'd be like me saying like, well, I'm just an adulterer saved by marriage. Well, you better not be because you will get dead in your sleep. No, 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 I'm not just a sinner saved by grace. I'm a born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, saint of the most high God. And the last time I checked, my Savior's not still in the grave paying for my sin. He has been resurrected and sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding on my behalf. And by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony, I shall overcome. I'm not going to wake up in the morning and concede to sin. I got, I got some stuff to do. I got some people who are dependent upon me living a life of victory in the name of Jesus. So I read this, and one version actually says it this way, verse 24. Though they may stumble, 
They will never fall. For the Lord, I love this, for the Lord upholds them with his hand. I think of like when I'm walking with my bride and I've noticed that women do not consider what they're gonna walk through when they're picking out what they're gonna wear. Like, guys, we, we, we think about where we're going and what we're gonna do. And then we dress according to what's about to happen and what's gonna take place. I don't call a friend, I look at the weather. I've never called Pastor Weston like, hey, uh, what are you wearing? I look and I go, is it going to rain? <laughs> are we walking across sidewalks or gravel? Women, they don't care. Look in the mirror. I am going to that wedding. Oh, these are so cute. These are so cute. Yeah, I'm wearing these for sure. I'm going to wear I'm going to wear them. We get to the wedding, get out of the car. I'm starting to walk up to the wedding. I prepared for what I'm going to walk through. I'm walking through the gravel. I turn around and I see five foot two going. Stop. I'll come to you. I need to go to the wedding, not the emergency room. But it's so cute. These are so, my cues are so cute. But yeah, they're going to kill you kind of cute. Come here. And so here we go, right? We're through the, through the parking lot, and we got these shoes on in the gravel. I'm like, hey, yeah, hey. Oh, oh. And I've got her. Here's what I believe God is saying today. I got you. You may stumble, but you will not fall. As long as you're walking with me, I've got you. But there will be times when I ask you to walk places that you weren't ready to walk through. And there will be things that I ask you to do that you weren't ready to do. But you may stumble in that moment. You will not fall. Why? Because I've got you. So the question is, how do I identify? According to the context of Psalm 37, how do I identify the righteous? How do I identify the godly? Well, if I go back up to verse 21 of Psalm 37, watch what it says. This is the evidence of godliness. The wicked borrow and never repay. But the godly, they're generous givers. Pastor Tony Evans, whom I love, by the way, don't completely agree with every aspect of doctrine, but predominantly, he said, faith will take you to heaven. That's what only God can do. And then he said, but works will bring heaven to earth. Would you consider with me quickly today all of the forms in which the Christ could have come? The king of all the universe in the throne room of God decided to humble himself to a virgin in a cattle trough. He came as a baby. In a, he could have come as a king. He could have come as a general with heaven's army. By the way, that's how he's coming back. So I'm not worried about whether I can buy or sell. In fact, when people talk about limiting my ability to buy and sell, I go, whoo, people get ready. Jesus is coming. I see the word opening up in my world. It's just how I think. <laughs> the wicked borrow, but the godly are generous. The works will bring heaven to earth. Jesus Christ in all the forms in which he could have come. He came as the illegitimate son of a carpenter in Nazareth. Unassuming, according to scripture, unattractive. 
And yet in all that Jesus Christ was, he said, I did not come to be served, although I could have. Jesus is generous. He gave up his title. He gave up his position. He owned all that all of the universe had to offer and yet he laid it all down and came into poverty through Bethlehem. Can anything good come out of Bethlehem? In his own hometown, he was counted as nothing. And yet there was no one in this world that didn't feel like they could call out his name and come to him. Why? Because that's how he positioned himself. Jesus was generous. He gave. He gave. He gave of his time. He gave of his home. He gave of his ability. Guys, he just handed out power and authority. And he gave. Even of finances. Did you know that there's not one time in Jesus' 33 years, according to most scholars, that he asked for money? And you may say, well, preacher, why do you do it? I'm not Jesus. And I can't make gold appear in fish's mouths. Those are two reasons. But he always showed us. He said things like, you tithe the full amount, but you neglect the even greater things. He said things like, where your treasure is, your heart shall be also. In other words, you just have to position your treasure properly in order for your heart to be in the right place. And then he said this, you cannot serve both God and, in some translations, I don't believe this is the correct way to say this, some translations say money. And of course the apostle Paul said that the root of all evil, it's not money, it's the love of money. See, God doesn't try to get your money He's just trying to make sure that your money doesn't get you. Because Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and mammon. See, mammon is that voice that says, oh, here goes another preacher trying to get your money. Mammon is that voice that when you feel like you're supposed to give, According to God's word, mammon begins to remind you of everything else that you need to pay before you properly prioritize the first. Mammon is the voice whenever you begin to give in a, an extravagant way an offering that is above and beyond just the, the first 10% of what God's already given you. Mammon is the voice that says, oh, that's a little much, don't you think? Oh, that's going to put you in a bind. Mammon is the fear that grips you and causes you not to follow through with something that God has laid on your heart for somebody else. Why is it so hard? Pay for their groceries. Oh, is that me or God? Oh, I don't want to do anything that's not the Lord. You serious? It's God. He doesn't want you to pay for anybody's groceries. No. Mammon is trying to stop you and rob you because he knows that Jesus said, it is more blessed to give. It's more blessed to tithe. I just went there. It's more blessed to give an above and beyond offering when God asks for it. It is more blessed to empty everything that you have so that you have to fully rely on God because Jesus is generous. Fast forward 2016. Adeline's six, Emery's four, Gabriel's two. He was so cute too. He's like fat. He had a little mustache binky. We moved to Eunice, Louisiana, 
And in a day, we inherit 20,000 square feet of building on two and a half acres with nine acres of prime real estate on 190, no debt and money in the bank. There's not a church planting 30 year old in the nation that wouldn't have received what we had to offer. But God had to remove all the distractions because I would have still been chasing my own ambition. I would have gone to the big place, the great place, the money-making place, the prosperous place. And God removed all of that stuff and he said, no, 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 you're going to Eunice. And then we met people who make the place. And since then, we have seen family after family after family coming into the kingdom of God. And then we purchased property that for 40 years this church could not purchase. And then we purchased another 20 acres that for 40 years was never even for sale. And you know who saw it? My seven-year-old. And we opened a school. And 53 kids come here every day. And I'm walking down the halls going, God, I'm so glad that you gave and that I learned to surrender what I wanted because what you have is way better than anything I ever had. When we follow Jesus, we become generous like Jesus. When I gave my desires, when I gave my finances, when, when I surrendered my faith fully to my father. When I said, I don't, I don't, God, I don't have a plan for my future anymore. I just want your presence and you send me wherever you want to send me. This is what happened. I got to tell you one more story. I'm going to pray over you. I posted it earlier this week. This man named Jim came through the line at Bayou Blue Assembly of God last week. You can go read the story on my social media page. I'll, I'll spare you the details. Basically, I got to lead him to Jesus because they came in a line looking for a bag of dog food. And the story is, oh, wow, wow, look at my pastor. He went and found the dog food. And, and, then, he, and then he knows the salvation prayer well enough that he's just bold enough to just pray with this random dude in a truck, even though this little dog named Termites bike barking the whole time that he's praying. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a cute little dog. It's a little like Pomeranian dog. She's like, yeah, her name's Termite. <laughs> and I was like, not what I would have chosen. Fluffy, maybe, I don't know. Termite, yeah, okay. So we're praying, guy receives salvation. And I walk away, I'm like, man, that's why we came, right? And then I thought, who gave? to purchase that bag of dog food. Some church or some organization somewhere received an offering and somebody heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say, I want your $20. And Mammon said, that's your only $20. You were supposed to buy da 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 with that $20. And they were like, no. I'm supposed to give it. And then Convoy of Hope took that $20 and bought a bag of dog food. And the guy came through line and I found the bag of dog food that that $20 purchased. And I picked up the dog food and I put it in the back of the truck and I led that person to, to, to Jesus. And one day, one day, somebody is going to walk into the kingdom of God and Jim's gonna walk up and say, thanks for the $20 that bought the dog food. I'm here today because of you. So why do we give generously? Because that's what God does. And we just follow him and obey as he did for us. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. Lord, I lift up every follower of Jesus in this place right now, and I pray that if there's any area of our lives where we have not given, given you complete control, may we do it now. An area of our time, may we do it now. Our attitude, our investment, certainly God, our finances. Somebody, 
needs to give for the first time or the first time in a long time. Somebody needs to practice, practice the first 10% of their finances going back to God today, immediately being obedient. Somebody is gonna be led to give above and beyond so that they break the hold of security on unreliable things like money. And then somebody, as the church is praying right now, is supposed to give their life to Jesus, fully surrender every area, because that's why we have services. If that's you and you're in the room today or you're watching online and, and you would admit, I, I, I need to give my life to the Lord. I, I need to fully surrender my life to God today. I need to receive salvation. I'm gonna pray in 20 seconds. And if you wanna be counted in that prayer, in 15 seconds, I want you to open your hands in your lap. As a sign of surrender, Lord, I'm, I, I'm giving my life to you and, and everything that comes with it, I, I'm surrendering. I'm gonna let go of what I've been hanging on to so tightly and receive what you have for me. If that's you, in five seconds, I'm praying. And I wanna invite you to take the final step of the greatest step of your life, which is to use your mouth and confess Jesus as Lord. The church is gonna pray with you right now. Come on, let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your Son who gave his life so I could live. Take complete control of every area. Forgive me where I've fallen short. I try to do things my way. I repent of my sin. I turn to you. Take my life and make it yours. Save me, cleanse me, and change me. Fill my heart with the desire to follow you in every area. I surrender all right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, can you give God praise today?